TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. This is Red Sox Review and it starts right now. Here's your host, Joe Weil. One, two is right down the middle. Strike three. Ball game over. The Yankees win it eight to five. They split today's twin bill. They win the series three games to one. But the Red Sox take the season series nine wins to four and they are now Yankees and Red Sox both at 74 and 73 and a tie for fourth place or last place however you want to look at it in the AL East. A solemn end to what has been a long and eventful day here at Fenway Park with the Boston Red Sox. They split the doubleheader against the Yankees today. And usually in this spot, when I do these Red Sox review shows, we're dissecting the game. But that's not the story of today. The story, of course, today is that the Red Sox fired Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom after some up-and-down seasons at the helm with the Red Sox. Of course, there was the run to the ALCS in 2021, but two last-place finishes with that. And then this season, they're in the cellar right now with the Yankees, 74-73. and 73. It's just a shame when these two teams, by the way, are, are in this spot playing this deep into the season for for nothing right both these teams are not going to make the playoffs this rivalry is so historic it's so much fun when both teams are good it's, it's sometimes even more fun obviously when the Red Sox are good and the Yankees are not when you could just beat up on them but these games should mean something right now they don't and instead we're talking about what happened off the field in the front office with the Red Sox making this decision today uh, to part ways with Bloom. there's so much to dissect with that that I want to get into but on top of that I want to hear from you 617-779-7937 again 617-779-7937 I want to hear your thoughts on the Bloom era and how you're feeling today after the decision made by the Red Sox are you happy to see the Red Sox go in a different direction and move on from Bloom. Are you upset that he didn't get another year to build upon what he has done at the helm with the Red Sox? We're going to try to uh, bring you the full scope of his tenure here with the Red Sox because there's a lot to it, right? There are the, the disappointing finishes to seasons. On top of that, though, he has built a young core with players that we're, we're getting a glimpse of here at the end of the season. Guys like Wilger Abreu and Sedan Rafaela who have impressed in their short time here with the Red Sox. And, of course, we've seen a lot of great stuff from Tristan Casas and Brian Bayo. Devers is locked up long-term. But the Red Sox are where they are right now, 74-73. and 73. And I think there is a lot about what's happened since the trade deadline that has led to the decision that the Red Sox have made today by parting ways with Heim Bloom and where he stands and or where the team stands at 74 and uh, 73. So again, if you want to chime in, Joe Weil with you here from Fenway Park. We're going to take you up to midnight tonight because there's a lot to talk about. And again, if you want to chime in, 617-779-7937. But let's hear now from the Red Sox manager, Alex Cora, after this Red Sox 8-5 loss against the Yankees. We didn't make a play at second, you know. And I mean, the LeMahieu play seems like P- Pablo. I don't know why he took a step to his left, then went to the right, and LeMahieu was saved first. And then he fell behind, threw a fastball down the middle, and the big guy hit it out of the ballpark. But uh, you know, location why he's been off lately. But we felt like you know, with the bullpen game and where we were, we needed him to. 
Tried to get that pocket right there, but just didn't work out. Sharp had a pretty good outing uh, last time. What have you seen from Sharp in this He's been good. He's been good. I mean, he was banged up. Uh, velocity's been on and off, but when he threw a 94, it's hard to hit. You know, he just left a slider in the middle of the play, and the kid hit a, put a good swing. But lately, Veal is up. He's throwing the ball well. We feel good where he's at. Yeah, the line drive in the middle, that was, that, was, that was a real good at bat, real good at bat. We, we, did, we did some good things offensively. Um, I don't know what we hit with many scoring position, but uh, you know, um, you know, Rafi had a good night. Um, we got to get Doogie back in the air. Uh, he's been uh, hitting too many ground balls lately. That's something mechanical that we've seen, but uh, you know, just got to be ready for Toronto. You know, it's a big series, and you know, just go over there and play good baseball. That'll be cool. We're good. Thank you. All right, so that's Alex Cora speaking after what is, uh, I have to imagine, a long day for him. I mean, these days are never easy, you know, uh, with with somebody losing their job, somebody that they've worked with for, for several years. And, uh, you know, I, we know that there were, there were likely some disagreements at times between uh, the philosophy from the front office and then uh, what, what was actually happening on the playing field. Uh, I, I think about the, the underdog comment that Bloom made and then <laughs> seeing Alex Cora rock that uh, underdog T-shirt after that uh but at the same time you know it's 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 a tough day it's it's one we're all trying to digest and and reflect upon the tenure for Heim Bloom and then also try to project where the Red Sox go from here uh as they they go into a pretty pivotal offseason right so we I just talked about at the top the the young pieces that the Red Sox have that they can build upon but they need to supplement that if they're going to get back to playoff caliber type of of baseball, uh, which they're not at right now, right? They're seventy-four and seventy-three, so only a game above five hundred, and uh, they're they're at the the bottom of the division with the Yankees, and and they have really hit a tailspin since the All Star break. It was actually right before where uh, they, they've really started to skid, but uh, at the same time, this was a team that you know looked like it could it could be in playoff contention at least down you know toward the end of the season with the way they were playing right before. Uh, the trade deadline and it just hasn't happened and and they are where they are right now that there there's no shot at the playoffs at this point and and they are you know a, a team that is just playing out the string at this point and they're doing it without the guy that built this roster in Heim Bloom. We're gonna get all into it. The calls are rolling in and if you want to chime in six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven the number to call in. Chris, Mike, we're gonna get to you on the other side of this break and that goes for everybody else. Uh, chime in here on Red Sox review because we're taking you all the way up to midnight after this Yankees 8-5 win over the Red Sox, but the Sox do split the doubleheader against the Yankees today, and they do win the season series by a score uh, by nine wins to four of the Yankees. So, Joe Wild with you at Fenway Park, back with more of Red Sox Review right after this on WEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device, credit, service, ported, 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
is Red Sox Review on WEEI. Pitch to him is rocketed into deep right field. It is back. It is at the wall, and it is off the top of the wall and gone. Home run number 31 for Raffi, just to the right of the 380 marker. Cabrera went back on it, an absolute missile, and it's 5-3. to three. Raffi Devers going deep for his 31st home run of the season, and uh, it, it was the only extra base hit of this twin bill finale against the Yankees uh, as the Red Sox fall by a score of 8-5 to five against the Bronx Bombers. They do still win the season series 9-4 to four against them, and uh, that Raffi Devers home run, that was the highlight from tonight's Nissan Red Sox postgame show. You deserve a car that thrills you, and Nissan's got an exciting full lineup that'll put goosebumps on your goosebumps. Experience the thrill for yourself today. Shop your local Nissan store and NissanUSA.com. Joe Wild with you here from Fenway Park. We're going to take you up to midnight here on Red Sox Review. I just mentioned the final Yankees 8, Red Sox 5, but that is not the biggest story of the day, obviously. The biggest story of the day, Red Sox firing Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom today after uh, an interesting tenure. I, I, I really want to get, get the full analysis of, of all that it brought the Red Sox through these four seasons. And I want to hear your thoughts to and how you're feeling about the Red Sox decision today to part ways with Heim Bloom. Are you happy? Do you wish he had another year? Feel free to call in 617-779-7937. Again, 617-779-7937. Mike Tazi always doing fantastic work back at our WEI studios. He'll be answering your calls when you chime in. And speaking of those calls, let's go to the phones for the first time tonight. Let's go to Chris, who's leaving Fenway. Chris, you're on Red Sox Review. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, hi, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I was at the game tonight, obviously, and at one point, I believe it was the sixth inning, the woman behind me said, wow, this crowd is so dead. And she was right, which is a sad state of affairs for a Yankees-Red Sox game in September. Uh, and I have to admit, I've been a Bloom disciple these last few years, um, but it even, even feels like we can't even celebrate – the series win against the season series win against the Yankees because they suck too. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I do think it was. I do think. I do think it was the right move. I have to give a shout out to my cousin Ben Nelson, who was right all along about Bloom. And I do think the Sox have to get back to a GM who's not going to be afraid of big moves. We saw that with Theo. We saw that with Dave Dombrowski. We won World Series with both of them. And if we want to get back to our winning wins, I think you need someone who's going to be able to take some bold action. And I think that person is Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes. Yeah, and he's a guy that, that has been thrown out there uh, uh, by a lot of baseball people. And, and, Chris, that was a great call. appreciate you chiming in uh, to the conversation. If you want to grab his line, 617-779-7937. Yeah, Brandon Gomes is one of those names that, that has already been thrown out there uh, by by people. Our own Rob Bradford actually uh, said in a tweet earlier today, a name to keep an eye on is Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes. And <laughs> he added this note, too. It doesn't hurt that he's from Fall Rivers, so a local guy as well. And I agree with Chris's statement. I, I agree with really that call in general. Uh, I, I felt the same way about Bloom. I, I, I've talked about it on the postgame shows throughout the season. And especially before the trade deadline, I was bought into this team being competitive for the rest of the season. And they had shown that. They'd shown that. I, I've, I've said this several times. The series they played against the Braves, I thought, was pretty telling, at least where they at, were at at that point, being a pretty competitive team that could beat the teams that were playoff caliber. We know in the early part of the season especially, they were really struggling to beat the teams that they should have beaten, like the Pirates getting swept here and the St. Louis Cardinals as well. There's other examples I could throw out there as well, but I thought the, the way they were playing going into the trade deadline, to me, made, made it think, okay, this is a team that they should invest in in some way. Now, when you look back at the, the notable arms that were dealt at the trade deadline, some of them you'd be thankful that the Red Sox didn't go after. Jack Flaherty, he hasn't worked out uh, since he was traded. 
another name that comes to mind, Michael Lorenzen, who threw a no, who threw a no hitter with the Phillies. His numbers haven't been that good since being traded from the Tigers to the Phillies. Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, you weren't going to get either of those guys, and now Scherzer's hurt. And then on top of that, uh, I think the, the the trade deadline market wasn't as pretty as we maybe thought it could be. The one name that I, I thought that the, the Red Sox could have gone after is Aaron Savali, who's done pretty well with the, with the Rays. His FIP is, is way lower than his actual ERA, which is north of four. But it's the inaction in general where we've seen at times with Bloom trying to o- o- overly win a trade. And I think that's hurt the, the Red Sox at times when they've tried to make moves at the deadline, not only this year, but last year as well. And that last year trade deadline is one of those marks on Bloom's resume that I think made people really questioned what he was doing at the helm of this organization on the front office side and if he was the right guy for it too because you go back to 2021 a lot of his moves worked right Kike was awesome he played great center field he was awesome in the playoffs he he was an all-world force at the plate even though that wasn't the case in the regular season but on top of that Hunter Renfro was a good player for the Red Sox in 2021 of course he gets Garrett Whitlock on the roster steals him from the Yankees as a rule five pick and he was exceptional he was their most reliable bullpen arm uh even some of those bullpen like Hansel Robles we, we we think about 2022 and how awful he was but he was good down the stretch for the Red Sox in 2021. Nick Pavetta ended up being a useful arm that season as well. I the, the list is pretty is pretty solid for that season. And then of course Kyle Schwarber, who they get at the deadline, he ends up working out too, and be it becomes a big part of their run to the ALCS in 2021. But it was followed up by a season that w- had a lot of questionable moves, right? So Franchi Cordero, who they 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 tried to put in the outfield and then at first base, he was atrocious at both spots. They don't re-sign Kyle Schwarber and they throw Bobby Dahlbeck out there at first base and he just couldn't get the job done at that position on a hitting side he wasn't providing enough production at all uh, to to really fill that spot and and then that first base hole ends up being a problem for the Red Sox for like roughly a year and a half before Casas comes up and you know finishes out last year and he's now an offensive player offensive force that he wasn't at a point when he was called up last year and, of course, in April as well. So that position was just kind of a, I don't want to say throwaway position because they tried to figure it out, but the the it, it never worked. And then, of course, the Xander Bogart situation gets botched as well. They don't they don't trade J.D. Martinez at the trade deadline or Nate Evaldi. With Nate Evaldi, it looked more likely that they could re-sign him. They, they offered him a, a three-year contract. He didn't end up taking it. And, of course, he ends up signing two years with the Rangers. J.D. Martinez, they don't bring back. And that uh, the, the, the lack of a reset on attack side is one of those, those marks on Bloom's resume here with the Red Sox that really hurt him and it it hurt him from a PR side from a fan perspective I think coming into this season and this year a lot of the moves have worked out right Masataki Yoshida is a good player Adam Duvall when he's been healthy has been productive yes he's very streaky but he's productive Chris Martin has been exceptional as the eighth inning guy Kenley Jansen has been pretty good as the back end ninth inning guy your closer and of course he was an all-star this year Corey Kluber didn't work out okay that one was a was a mess and the fact that he was the opening day starter obviously made a lot of people roll their eyes and I think for good reason but this year there were better moves, but I think he had from a, a PR side, from a fan perspective side, uh, a lot of ground to try to recover. And the Red Sox were in a good spot at the trade deadline, but I think we were all hoping that something would have been done. I, it, yes, most of the pitchers haven't worked out, but there was Aaron Savali out there. And, and, it, and it's always with with Bloom, and you think back to this year, you think of last year, there's always a little bit of an excuse building side from the pro Heim Bloom side. I will actually get to the pro Heim Bloom side because I think there are some good things. And uh, I, I think his legacy here in his four years with the Red Sox, it hasn't been fully written. But at the same time, there was a tentativeness on a, on, on a roster building side that we saw a little too many times here with the Red Sox when it when it ta- when you talk about Heim Bloom and his overall tenure here. And and I think this just this last stretch really did him in because you had Mookie Betts come to town and dominate the Red Sox in that three game set. You had the Kyle Bearclaw game, which was an absolute disaster, and uh, the, the pitching staff is uh, the, especially the the bullpen is completely worn down. The, the starting rotation hasn't given you. 
enough innings as well. So it, it it's all kind of come to this point where if you're the, the, the ownership of the front Red Sox, you're thinking to yourself, do we really want to sign up for this for another year? And obviously it would have been different, I think, in the offseason had Bloom gotten the chance because I think he would have spent money or at least tried to because of where the Red Sox are in terms of resetting and now having some young players to build on. Again, if you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. Let's go back to the phones one more time uh, as of right now. Let's go to Mike in Connecticut. Mike, you are on Red Sox Review. What's up, Joe? What's going on, Mike? Oh, what a happy day in Red Sox Nation. I know you're a good guy and you're being sympathetic, but, Joe, he was terrible. And he started <laughs> off terrible. He threw his old ball, cream in a bone. He, he gave one of the best players in baseball, top five player in baseball, and all he got out of it was an average player at best in Verdugo. Wong is not the answer. He, I was so happy today. My friend called me. I thought he was just busting him on me because he knows how much I can't stand him. But he had a go, Joe. And the bottom Mike, line Mike, is, the, only, the only thing I just wanted to push back on, with Mookie Betts, that him specifically, do you think that was solely his decision? Um, I don't think it was solely his decision, uh, Joe, but you got to get more for a player like Mookie Betts. I agree. I agree. Under the gun. Come on. He got nothing for him. You got a complete flop in Jeter Downs. You got a below average catcher, and you got a, uh, a little head case in Verdugo. So it, I'm glad he's gone. We got to try to bring Theo back. And I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening as much as it, it, it's 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 a dream we'd all like to see come to fruition. I, I think. I know you probably got a lot of calls. Well, see if you agree with me on this thing. I don't. You think Cora is going to stay now that he's gone? I think so because his his spot seems to be secure. Listen with Cora, and I've I've tried to push back on people who've called all season long. Like Heim Bloom, I think there's a discussion to be had in the overall picture of what he's done. For me, though, with Alex yeah. Cora, like he's definitively a top five manager in baseball. He's one of the best in the sport. I that's that's just my take on it, though. But Joe, they can't go another year with this Bush as a pitching coach. I mean, come on, their pitching's terrible. It's been in the they're going to end up near the bottom two years in a row. He has to go. There's got to there's got to be some shakeups. Verdugo has to go. Hopefully, it'll keep Turner. You know, the problem is Yoshida is a DH. He's a terrible outfielder. But I would like to see him, Rafaela, put him into the second baseman because the kid looks like it's a good athlete, and they've been uh, weak at second base. He'd be an upgrade there, and you know. Another thing that killed Bloom is, let's face it, Joe, story's been a flop. Yeah, offensively, I mean, he he just hasn't hasn't brought it in. Of no, course, he's just a the good defensive player. You're right. He, he's but a good defen- he's an no, and, and, defensive. No, player. He's an excellent defensive player. He's really yeah. stabilized that spot. But you're right, offensively, I. I you know, I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to make excuses for him, but I'm not surprised right. by what we've seen since coming off the IL with all the time he missed. But Mike, uh, I have to let you go. Appreciate the call. Uh, it's been fun talking to you, and, uh, and thanks for chiming in. No problem. Thanks. All right. So, and again, if you want to get your calls in, six one seven 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 nine seven nine three seven, the number to call in here on Red Sox Review. Uh, we have a lot more to get to. We're going to take you up to midnight. Uh, we have some guys on the line as well, Andrew and Haverhill, Mark and Quincy. We will get to you on the other side of this break. But first, let's get uh, a trending from Mike Tazi, who will get us up to date on everything. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Well, the big news of the day Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom has been fired by the Red Sox after completing nearly four seasons with the club. As for the Red Sox on the field, they won game one of the day night doubleheader, 5 0 over the Yankees, and were led by six shutout innings from Tanner Houck and homers from Sedan Rafaela and Trevor Story. As for Game 2, Aaron Judge's second-inning grand slam off Brennan Bernardino and Oswald Peraza's two-run homer in the ninth were the big swings that led to an 8-5 Red Sox loss in the nightcap. Sox split the doubleheader and will head to Toronto this weekend uh, for a three-game series with the Blue Jays. First pitch tomorrow night, 7:07 on the Shaws and Star Market, WEEI Red Sox Radio Network. Other scores around the AL East, the Rays beat the Orioles 4-3 at Camden Yards in Baltimore. Tampa now trails the O's by just one game in the AL East standings. 
The Blue Jays were four games swept by the Texas Rangers after losing 9-2 tonight. So the Red Sox will be going against a desperate Toronto team this weekend who trails in the wild card standings by a game and a half. I'm Mike Tazi, and that's what's trending on WEEI and WEEI.com. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. On Red Sox Review on what has been a very eventful day in Red Sox Nation as the team has parted ways with Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom, and there's a lot to discuss with that. If you want to get your calls in, 617-779-7937. I'd love to hear from you how you're feeling. Are you relieved that the Red Sox have moved on from Heim Bloom after seeing this team uh, once again finish in the cellar of the American League East, or do you wish that the Red Sox gave him a little bit more time to fully see his plan come to fruition? I think there's an argument for both sides, but it's It's been fun already hearing some calls come in. I'll give you my opinion on it as well. But again, the number to call in, 617-779-7937. And by the way, the Red Sox split their doubleheader today against the Yankees. They won game one, five to nothing. Trevor Story hit a home run in that contest. Tanner Houck was great as well. And then in game two, the uh, the Red Sox lost eight to five against the Bronx Bombers. Both teams now 74 and 73. Mike Tazi killing it. Back at WEI, answering the phone calls, playing that great song from Nirvana in Bloom. Let's go to the phones, though, uh, once again. Let's go to Andrew and Haverhill first in this segment. Andrew, thanks for joining us at Red Sox Review. Hey, I was at the uh, toilet bowl tonight between the Red Sox and the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, I guess an entertaining game. That home run by Judge was the hardest hit ball I have ever seen live in my life. I mean, that thing got out of there in a millisecond. But one, a couple of things I, I didn't really understand was Cora not challenging that safe play at first base, which I think was with Cassis late in the game. And I, I don't understand keeping Lavera in there toward uh, in the eighth, bringing him back over the seventh two. Cora made some strange moves and like Story not pinch hitting for Reyes in the ninth didn't make any sense. I know he played earlier, he played today in the first game of the doubleheader, but I think he could pinch hit once. Like it was a frustrating game because it seemed like you know there the Red Sox. Could have won it. There were chances to win it, but it, it felt like they just didn't, you know, in, in different times, like I said, like with the challenge, they didn't challenge that, and they didn't pinch hit story in the ninth. Like with different, you know, with options they had to try to win the game, it seems like they didn't, they weren't going full out to win that one for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, and Andrew, appreciate the call, and, and there, I guess you could really call it the toilet bowl this series with both these teams being in last place in the American League East. I love that term there. But, you know, on, on top of that, um, I, I – you know, it's interesting. Doing these post-game shows – when we when we dissect games, it's, it's a lot of times it's 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 the micro view, and then we we take a, a full look out further with the macro view. I just have a hard time killing Cora or the coaching staff for little moves like that in this doubleheader finale when it's hard not to focus on the big picture right now. Because you know, if this game mattered, I I might be thinking about what you know, like okay, what maybe he should have pinched it for Trevor Story or 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 you know, looked at the the play that, that was referenced there by Andrew. But I can't. I it, I can't because the Red Sox are so far out of it tonight. You know, from the playoff race with the loss today, they're now seven and a half out from that third wild card spot that Seattle has uh, possession of right now. I can't think of the, the specific moments just because there's so many big picture things that we need to think about and also uh, you know, look back on this tenure for Heim Bloom, but also try to look forward to, to to look at where the Red Sox could be going now that they have parted ways with our chief baseball officer. It's just hard to look at the specific things from tonight when both these teams are not throwing out their A-plus lineups. Uh, I have been impressed by Sedan Rafaela and Wilger Abreu. I will say that. I think that both those guys could be a part of, of the formula for next year. And, and the guys talked about it on the broadcast tonight. What I like about both those players is that they're actually guys that play good defense, which this team sorely needs. I want to hit on some of the Heimblum numbers on the defensive side under his tenure as we uh, continue to progress here on Red Sox Review. Let's go to the next caller. Let's go to Mark and Quincy. Mark, thanks for joining us. Hey, McCarthy, you you couldn't have said it better. Um, Analyzing the game tonight is foolish. There's bigger things at play. 
this is embarrassing. Um, to not be in the top ten in spending in the league is insane. Um, I don't know if John Henry is handcuffing or handcuffed Bloom, but I need to – Swarbo is the guy you need to sign. Um, it, it, the, the moves that he's made, I don't know if it's coming from above him or he's making them himself, but I, I feel like he's kind of a puppet puppet, and he was the fall guy. Um, it, it all started, I think, four years ago, almost to the day when they fired Dombrowski during the Patriots' Sunday night opener or Thursday night opener against the Steelers. The way they've acted and treated, honestly, the fans is embarrassing. Um, we're a major market. You know, you, you need to put a product on the field that people get behind. And they haven't done that for four years. Um, and I think Han kind of got a raw deal here. Yeah, Mark, and I agree with you in part of what you're saying. I, I there, there are points that you've made that, that I do agree with. And, and there is a part of me today that does feel like Haim has gotten a raw deal in this. I, I think – on the spending side of things, and I do appreciate you calling. If you want to grab Mark's line, 617-779-7937 as we discuss uh, the Red Sox parting ways with Heim Bloom today. The, the one thing, though, with, with Heim that I, I, I think was, was a real killer for him when you look at the full scope of his tenure was not getting under the luxury tax last year. So the, the team was underperforming last year, and you had a chance to reset yourself on a luxury tax side of things so that you didn't necessarily have to be under it this year, which the Red Sox were clearly trying to do. And because you didn't do that, you you hamstring you hamstrung yourself for this season and, and, and what you could have possibly added in terms of looking at the overall picture and, and on the spending side, as much as we all would love for ownership to be over the tax every year, it, it doesn't seem realistic on, on a side of what, what they're thinking on a, on a spending side and what they want to spend on the tax part of it. That's why you reset when you can so then they, you can jump over it. Again, you can agree or disagree with that, but that's what they're thinking. Uh, but that was, a, that was a big thing in, in the tenure for Bloom that I think we all look back on and say that was a big mistake because I think that actually was one of his biggest mistakes, that he didn't reset things last year or deal guys like J.D. Martinez or what Bradfoe reported today on uh, Jones and Mego, I mean, this was sort of a crazy story that uh, when it was posted, I, 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 when he talked about it, I couldn't quite believe it. But Bradfoe put this in his article today, which you can read on WEI.com. I think it's a fantastic read about how we got to this point and why the Red Sox made the decision that they made. And, and he wrote this one instance was particularly striking. So according to Bradfoe, there was a major, and per, per a major league source familiar with the situation, just before the 2020 Two trade deadline and a few weeks after Chris Sale had broken his finger uh, in his second outing of the season, a team approached Heimblum about dealing for the lefty and the acquiring club was agreeing to take upon all the money left on Sale's contract, which at that point, two and a half seasons of more than $50 million while sending some semblance of players. The Red Sox, though, they wanted better players than what was offered and no deal was done. And uh, you think about something like that, the fact that they didn't get that contract off the books last season when they could have dipped under the luxury tax. It ends up being a backbreaker because then they tried to rely upon Chris Sale this season. He looked great for, for, for a short amount of time, but then the same old story happened where he got hurt. And th- you, you come into this season with question marks in the starting rotation and on the defensive side of things, and those two concerns end up being concerns all season long. Like, like it, it wasn't a shock in any way that those two parts of the team ended up being issues uh, for this Red Sox team. And I think that's what's the hardest part about digesting the season is that it was so obvious what the problems could be. The rotation with Corey Kluber, 37 years old, and you looked at what he did last year with the Rays, it seemed like he kind of milked that last good season out of him. And credit to the Rays for always seemingly being able to do this type of thing. And then on top of that, relying on sale, 
I think we know now that Garrett Whitlock is a reliever, and, and I and I love Garrett Whitlock. I love what he brings to the table. He was awesome in 2021, and there were times this season I thought, okay, maybe he is a starter because he did have a couple good outings, but we look at now the overall track record of, of the Red Sox trying to thrust him in this role and the injury history now. I think the bullpen is where you need to keep him and keep him there as a weapon, but the starting rotation has been an absolute killer for the Red Sox all season long. The stats bear this out as well. Innings pitched in Major League Baseball, 28th in the sport among the starters. Brian Bale is really the only guy you can count on for length. I like what I've seen out of Cutter Crawford this season, but it was a season in which he had, you know, in his professional career, he'd only thrown above 100 innings once. That was in 2018. So it's it's not a surprise that he is tired out to this point. And this has been a huge issue for the Red Sox, just getting five innings from their starters. And that's been an issue for them pretty much all season long. Paxson was great for a short amount of time, but or not a short amount of time, for the, for the most part this season, but Toward the end, he tailed off. Now he's out for the rest of the season. And then Tanner Houck, listen, what happened to him, that was such a freak thing with the facial fracture. But I think the jury's still out on if he's a starting pitcher. I know he's a major league pitcher. He was awesome today, too. You have to give him his flowers for what he did today. And we've seen that from him. But I think overall, are we sure he's a starting pitcher? I don't know. So now we go into next season wondering, okay, what do the Red Sox for sure have in their starting rotation. And really, it's Brian Bayo. You're going to bring Chris Sale back most likely, so you'll throw him in there as well. You have a decision to make on Nick Pavetta. A lot of question marks, and that's why I think the ownership, what we heard from, or and what we heard from Sam Kennedy today, there's more of an urgency now with this Red Sox team to, to spend this offseason. I think that was always going to be the case if Bloom stayed, but I feel pretty certain that the Red Sox are going to be aggressive. Will they get the free agents you want? We'll see, but I think they'd be wise to go after uh, a Yamamoto or the other free agent starting pitchers that are out there. I I think uh, Blake Snell's an interesting name. I'm intrigued by Aaron Nola. He's one of those guys that stands out. And, of course, you know, the big fish, even though he he, he is hurt right now on a pitching side of things in Shohei Otani. Again, if you want to get your calls at 617-779-7937. Joe Weil with you here on Red Sox Review. Breaking down the big news today, uh, the Red Sox parting ways with their chief baseball officer, Heim Bloom. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. we will go. Uh, let's go back to the phones one more time. I, I cannot make out the name I wrote down. Uh, Mike, who, who do we have on the line right now? Oh, we got Glenn. Uh, Glenn in New Orleans. All right, Glenn in New Orleans. Glenn, thanks for joining us at Red Sox Review. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Uh, my my biggest problem with Bloom uh, was the starting pitching uh, situation the entire time he was here. Uh, to me, that was the biggest problem when he took over. And four years later, we're in exactly the same place we were four years ago when he took over. Uh, Cutter Crawford, he could be a number four, number five. How I'm with you. I'm not certain he's a starter, but if he is, he's a four or five. Bayo is a three on a bad staff. But I don't. That, I don't. You know, Glenn, I'll, I want to push back on that one. I don't. I don't agree with that. I, I think Bayo is a legit stud. Is he a one, like a bona fide one? I think that remains to be seen. But he's a top of a rotation type pitcher. Well, uh, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, but what this team needs is Garrett Cole and Garrett Cole. That's what they need. They need two elite starting pitchers that can go six innings and hopefully more than that, seven or eight on occasion. I know what modern baseball is, but, and, and there's nothing, all, all of the prospects are all position players. I yeah. don't hear anything about a, a Brian Wu coming up or an Emerson Hancock or a Bobby Miller, you know, and that that's on bloom. He didn't draft these kinds of players. While he was here, everything was evidently position players. Pitchers must have come, you know, after round five. But and ne- next year, uh, you know, Sale, you, you can't count on him. I mean, that's foolish to, to think you're going to get anything out of him. And that's been going on for three years now. So 
I unfortunately think they're headed for another probably last place finish next year until they get this starting pitching figured out. They might have to get uh, Yamamoto and Snell to have any kind of a chance to be good because we have to overcome this horrid defense that we have, poor base running, never thrown to the cutoff man. And the offense, you know, gets hot, great, but it goes into stretches of being cold. So, anyway, I'm I'm not going anywhere. Been there for over 50 years. So, anyway, well, that's my take on the situation. And I appreciate it. Glenn, Glenn, despite the disagreement there with Brian Bayo, I do appreciate the call, and I, I do think you make a lot of good points. So thanks for chiming in. And uh, if you want to grab Glenn's line, 617-779-7937. I want to hit on a couple things that Glenn talked about. So in terms of where they could finish next year, they're going to have to be aggressive in free agency. There's At this point with the reset now on a tax side, they have to be aggressive next year if they want to be competitive because, as Glenn mentioned and as I've talked about, they have holes to fill. You know, if you're somebody that has blamed Bloom for everything over the last four years, okay. But now the next person has to, to get to work and, and, and fix some of the spots that Bloom didn't fully uh, fully fix. And I, and I think this offseason – as much as I've liked a lot of the signings that Heim Bloom has made, on a starting pitcher's side, on a starting pitching side, as I said before, to me that was one of the biggest question marks of the year. And there were guys out there that you could have signed, like uh, uh, Michael Walker or a, and Nathan Avaldi. I know those guys have dealt with injuries this year, but they've been pretty effective when healthy. And then uh, the one I've talked about a lot, if you've heard my postgame shows, was Zach Eflin. I, I thought he was the guy that they should have went after, and they did, but they made the same offer with the Rays, and, and Zach Eflin decided to sign with Tampa Bay. And he's had a great season, and you wonder what that, you know, what that could have been like if the Red Sox were able to bring in something like him instead of ultimately settling for Corey Kluber, who was a disaster with the Red, Red Sox this season. Obviously, great career, but this year uh, it was a disaster for the Red Sox. I do want to hit on some of the things, though, that Bloom did do in his tenure that were positive and may set the Red Sox up for success for whomever takes over. Because this farm system, as Glenn did mention, on the pitching side, a little... Uh, you think of the top-flight talent that they have in the farm system. Kyle Teal, Roman Anthony, Marcelo Meyer, and then, of course, the guys they just graduated to the big leagues that we've already seen some nice play out of in Sedan Rafaela and uh, Will Abreu. They do have a farm system that is an enviable farm system for a lot of teams in the sport. So according to uh, Baseball America, they're at the mid-season point, they were selected as the, or they were rated the fifth best farm system in Major League Baseball. And so he's completely turned it around in that sense because with Dombrowski, by the time he was let go, they were a bottom tier, like toward the way bottom uh, on a farm system side. And and I will say the, the prospects of the Red Sox have graduated recently. Those were Dombrowski guys. That being said, at the time he left, the farm system was not in a spot where you could immediately supplement what was happening at the big league level. And that's why they hired Heim Bloom. They wanted long-term sustainability. I would have liked to see Heim Bloom in the end, just get one more deal, uh, one more season, one more year to, to see what he could do this off season to build on what they've done. At the same time, I understand it. I understand where the Red Sox, uh, how they got to this point with, the fact that that they've they've really hit the skids recently since the the trade deadline that they didn't add again they were tentative again at the deadline and I I was doing rain delay coverage with Rich Keefe yesterday and, and before I even hopped on with Rich I was listening to a lot of the calls and then when I hopped on the calls were the same as as Rich had when he was just going solo I'm bringing this up because what what I heard from the fan base and, and what I've heard just talking to people here in Boston uh you know people that I know people that I love that that are that are fans of this franchise there is, I don't want to say apathy, but there's a lack of feeling, positive feeling about the team and some of the decisions that have been made over the last couple of years. 
uh, with the Red Sox. Obviously, Mookie's one of those guys everybody's going to bring up when they talk about what the Red Sox have done recently, uh, which I think is fair. And then Xander Bogart's leaving. I, you wonder long-term where that contract leads for the Padres, how much they're going to regret it because it's 11 years, $280 million. But at the same time, we all know the Red Sox could have got him for less years and less of an overall price. And I think one thing we, we, we forget sometimes when we analyze all this stuff is just the the feeling as a fan of being able to watch a player day and night that you love. And that's what's missing from the Trevor Story experience. Now, I, I like Story as a player despite the less than ideal returns that you've gotten out of him since he signed with the Red Sox. The hitting has not come around this year, which I think is was something that was expected. Defensively, he's held up at short and made some really great plays, and he stabilized that spot on that end. But what you miss when you have Trevor Story here and no longer have Xander Bogarts is just the memories, the love of the player, the fact that you've grown up with this guy. And I, I know that when we analyze this stuff, we, we don't think about that a lot. But I think for fans... One thing we heard yesterday from them is that what what has come to the forefront, especially over the last month with Mookie Betts coming back to town and, and playing really well here at Fenway, is that there's a, a lack of familiarity and a, a, a getting behind of what the Red Sox have been doing the last couple of years, really since the 2021 run. And I, I think there was an urgency within the organization to make a change to get to a point where the fans are, are fully invested in the, the decisions made by ownership and where they're going in terms of getting back to a competitive level where you feel like the team is truly in it. And I think that was just what was has been lacking over this last month and a half, where I thought prior to the trade deadline, Heimblum for certain had at least one more year. I, I had thought that all season long. But the last couple weeks with... What, what Jared Carabas said on his uh, his podcast about what he'd heard talking to people in the front office of the Red Sox, and then on top of that, you know, some of the the, the reports from Bob Nightingale about some, you know, the executives that the Red Sox could be interested in. That's where you started. You, you know, you saw some smoke, and usually that leads to fire. And, and in the case of this, the Red Sox make the decision today to let go of Heim Bloom, and I, I think it's a complicated legacy because uh, he's he's he's. He's put the whomever is going to take his spot next in a pretty good position. Tax reset, great farm system, young controllable players outside of the Chris Sale contract, no disastrously bad contracts on the books for the Red Sox. That's a good spot for whomever's taking over. We'll see where that leads or if the Red Sox stay stuck in the point that they are, which they could be heading for their third last place finish in the last four years. But at the same time, uh, it, it could be part of a story moving forward where, hey, Heimblum at least set them up for future success as he had hoped to do when he took over for the Red Sox. In the meantime, one playoff appearance in these four years looks like this year is not going to happen, obviously, with them being 74 and 73. They split the doubleheader today and a lot of questions about the Red Sox future moving forward. We're going to pause for a short break. We'll wrap up Red Sox review right after this on WEI. We're back to Red Sox Review on WEEI. Wrapping things up here from Fenway Park on what has been a, a day in which there's been so much to digest with the Red Sox making the decision to part ways with Chief Baseball Officer Heim Bloom, uh, a tenure that began uh, right after Dave Dombrowski's tenure here with the Red Sox ended. Uh, and with Heim Bloom, you have two last place finishes, the magical trip to the ALCS in 2021, a year that was a lot of fun despite it being a flawed team. But now this season with the Red Sox being 74 and 73 overall, they split the doubleheader today against the Yankees. So both those teams uh, in last place in the American League East. And I, I I, I, I've said this a couple times today. Joe Wild with you here at Red Sox Review. Appreciate everybody listening. Mike Tazi killing it, as always, back at the WEI studios. 
the the legacy hasn't fully been written for Heim Bloom with the moves he's made and the prospects that he has acquired in his time here and the guys that have already been here at the big league level and he has stayed patient with. He deserves credit for staying patient with Jaron Duran, who before the the toe surgery to end the season was awesome. Tristan Costa's same deal. Uh, not dealing him in 2021 when teams were looking uh, to to acquire him because the Red Sox were obviously in playoff contention in 2021. They 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 stay the course with him. He's been awesome. Brian Bayo's been fantastic as well. And then you have some guys in the pipeline. Kyle Teal hit a home run today. That was that was incredible to see with Portland. And uh, he's been great. Roman Anthony's been great. Marcelo Meyer. The the prospect status is certainly there for him. But. In the end, just not enough wins at the major league level and a little bit of tentativeness that came with it as well uh, for for making those decisions to, to really supplement this roster in times of need or just having full conviction when uh, it was time to maybe give up on a season like in 2022. I think that's really the year that, that did him in this last month and a half stretch, as I said before. Mookie coming back, dominating Kyle Bearclaw game, which was an ultimate disaster for the Red Sox. And the fact that they've just, since the trade deadline, have uh, played below 500 baseball at 18 and 23. Want to get to Mike. Mike, I know you had one more comment before we wrap things up here. Yeah, just you know, a quick observation. I, I feel like a lot of GMs are good at getting the house in order for the next guy, and you know, it goes back to what you said. Not too many bad contracts. You know, the story one, it still needs to be written. No pun intended. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to look, but uh, certain GMs, you see it across sports, they, they might not ever get serious winning done, but they get the house in order for the next guy, and I do think that's what Bloom has done. And I think, again, as I said before, too, Mike, there is a fair argument to be made that Heim deserve one more year to fully see through the plan because they were ready to spend this upcoming offseason. But he didn't get it. The Red Sox ultimately make this decision uh, to part ways with him. And in the future, we'll see. We'll see who's going to take over for him. It's not going to be Theo Epstein, as had been speculated. That was uh, shot down by Sam Kennedy. So Theo is not coming back. Uh, the, 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 the new person in, uh, in charge TBD for the Red Sox. In the meantime, we still have to play out the string. 15 games left for the Red Sox. They're playing up next against Toronto at 7.07 tomorrow. Want to thank Mike Tazi back at the WEI Studios. I'm Joe Wild signing off from Fenway. The final one final time in game two of this doubleheader. Yankees 8, Red Sox 5. Thanks for joining us on Red Sox Review. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.